Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, Chris. And we are Unashamed Unafraid. Chris, the whole yes, sir. I have a question for you, yep. Mr. Bennett. Are you feeling the love tonight? Feeling the love. Feeling the love. And if you're listening and you're not feeling the love, you're about to. Yep, we got Troy Love on here with us today. And I did ask Troy, like, does everyone just make the love jokes all the time? And he was like, yes, all the time. It's all I ever hear. So sorry, Troy, but it's just so fun. Cause and and you're even like so spread the love, and that's what he's doing. Spread the love. He's spreading the love. So uh, we we spent the episode talking about attachment and attachment wounds, um, which I think is such a big and prevalent part. And so Troy shared some of his kind of personal journey with his attachment wounds, which was cool because sometimes we get things divided up like this is clinical, this is an expert, and hey, this is a recovery story. And in this episode, we got the clinical expert, and he's also talking about how he's recovered from his attachment wounds and those different things going on for him. Which so, is awesome that he's he's vulnerable vulnerable about his own attachment wounds and what that was like for him and how that relates in his life. Yeah, no, I, I mean, his vulnerability is unashamed, right? I mean, that's, right. you know, he knows that. And he talks about, right, the different attachment wounds and kind of how those function and why it matters, like connected to addiction. So if you're listening right now and you're like, The different types of attachment. Yeah, why does this even matter? Like, just listen listen for the first 10 minutes and you'll see why this matters and is relevant to your, you know, recovery. And also to the spouses, right, about how we kind of all can connect through those wounds. So some super good stuff that he shared. Um, Talks about recognizing the, the attachment wounds. Um, and then also how to heal them, because that's what we really need to do is learn how to heal those attachment wounds so that we don't go back to it. Yeah. And um, and he's done, he's got a workbook, right, of, of working through your attachments wound. And he's also got a four-day retreat, like an intensive, right, to kind of work through attachment wounds too. And so some cool stuff going on. He's, he's based out of Arizona, but can connect with those things. Um, it's TroyLLove.com is where you find him. So that's how you, how you can connect with him. And, uh, yeah, we hope we enjoy this The bonus content. We got into some God stuff, some, you know, self-compassion, some different things around this. So we always invite you to, to become an outsider. Our outsiders are bold, accepted, and unashamed. You can do that by donating at unashamedandafraid.com slash donate. And if you're enjoying this content, give us five stars on iTunes. That's how the whole world judges us, how we can reach more people. Um, and we hope you enjoy our episode. And follow us on social media. Oh, yes. At Unashamed Unafraid, both on Facebook and Instagram. Chris, thank you for sharing that love before we get in the studio with With Troy Love. Love. Troy, welcome. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Um, So... Troy Love is in a warmer place than we are. It's of course it's getting good here right now in Utah this time of year. Yeah, we're eighty right we're now. Kind of start to come to it. You're like what? Starting to hit one hundred and ten, Troy. A uh, hundred today. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Get, getting into it. So um, he's he's coming to us from Arizona. So uh, like always with all of our guests, we'll kind of let you introduce yourself, kind of paint yourself into context. 
Great. So yes, I live in Yuma, Arizona, which is a fun fact. That is where the pit that they threw um Boba Fett. Boba Fett, yes. Okay. Uh, that's the that's where the Starlack lives out there in the desert. Um that they threw Boba Fett in that pit where Jabba's barge was. That was filmed like twenty miles from my house. So I can actually see it, really, but it's super hot down here. Um, That's um, cool. My, yeah. My name is Troy Love, and I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and um, I'm also the author of three books, two of which have been Amazon bestselling books. Congrats, by the way. Thank you. Awesome. I'm really, really passionate about helping people heal from what I call attachment wounds and helping them find greater peace and love and joy in their lives. Um, so yes, I love that. And this is why we, we want to connect with you and talk about attachment. So in, in my mind, it's like, if you aren't talking about attachment and trauma, I like literally don't know what you're talking about as far as, as far as like finding healing, like to me, like whatever modality you use as therapy, as a life coach, whatever, like it, it, like you are going to cross through attachment and you're going to deal with trauma. And those just seem to be two themes across the board. And, and as we've seen it, sharing people's stories and like, those are the themes that keep coming up. And so we're excited to do this post thing and just learn all things attachment. So for whoever's listening, that's like, what the heck are these guys talking about? Attached to what? Um, give us like the basics. Like, yeah. So, um, I talk a lot about attachment wounds. So, as humans, we're wired for connection, physically, emotionally, spiritually, neurologically. We're wired to be connected. And you just think about how a baby is in a mother's womb for nine months. The baby is literally connected to the mom until the baby's born and then there's still that connection that happens mm -hmm. that's that's a really important part of of our journey on this earth is learning how to continue to be connected to other people but what happens is that along the way some of those connections break or some of those connections are damaged in one way or another and that causes us a lot of pain and then from there, we are trying to figure out how to deal with that pain. And a lot of times we don't even recognize that, that those wounds have been created. We don't even recognize because a lot of times they were when we were kids when those wounds were created. But it then creates this dysphoric experience as we continue to go through life. And, and the rest of our life is trying to figure out how do we connect with people but we don't want to get hurt. We don't want you to get close to our wounds. And so it becomes this very strange experience as we learn how to be vulnerable and actually let people close to us um, and be able to put that fear that we're going to be hurt aside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's awesome. And so I guess the kind of obvious question is, if I am someone who struggles with sexual addiction, why do I care? Well, because when you have a wound, or because your wounds are tied right into your sexual addiction, we're finding ways to numb the pain that comes from the wounds. So the wounds are loss, neglect, rejection, abandonment, betrayal, 
or abuse. And you could have all six, maybe you only have one or two, but if you grew up in a world where you felt you were rejected a lot, for example, and that wound is pretty tender for you, and then when you're a teenager, you stumble upon porn as a way of like, that soothes me, that makes me feel good inside. Yeah, porn never rejects you. Mm -hmm. Right. It's always there for you, right? It never abandons you. If you have an abandonment wound, porn will never abandon you, always be there for you. And what that does is it wires your brain. Your brain learns like, oh, this pain that I have, this thing, it wires, it teaches me that this is how I can deal with those wounds. The problem is that it doesn't make it feel better. It just brings shame into the equation, which then makes me want to push away and disconnect from everybody. But those wounds are definitely a key component to what leads us to act out. Because we're temporarily numbing those feelings. Exactly. Yeah. In numbing, we feel worse. We num That makes us numb some more. We feel worse and we get it trapped in that cycle where we don't really know how to connect in ways that are actually healing and, and beneficial long term. Yeah. Pretty soon we're like numb to everything, like numb to all sorts of feelings. I That's how I was in the, the throes of my addiction is just, I was so numb to everything. I I just didn't care anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Apathy. Mm -hmm. So, so tell us, like, give us an example because, um, like of kind of like that attachment wounding style, right. Or that maladaptive attachment. Like, so what's an example of a scenario? Cause I know for me, like early in recovery, I hear things like this and I'm like, okay, like that sounds true in concept. Sure. But then like for me to look in my own life and see shame or see trauma or see my attachment wounds, like I'm not even sure what I'm looking for. So like, what would be an example of a, of a scenario or behavior that was healthy attachment and the one that wasn't? And like, maybe give us a contextual example of that so we can recognize it. Well, sure. I can share my story if that's... Don't love it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I was adopted at the um, five days old. And when I was a little kid, I thought it was pretty cool. I'd go around and say, hey, I'm adopted. My, Hey, I'm Troy. I'm adopted. I thought that was really cool. Um, but at the same time, <laughs> um, at the same time, there was a question of well, why? Why was I given up for adoption? And at that mm -hmm. time, it was a closed adoption. So I didn't have any connection with my biological mother or father. I didn't know why they had made the decision that they did and so i'm i'm walking around with this question of why and as a little kid there aren't any answers for that mm -hmm. and then as i as i started to grow up a little bit i was bullied a lot especially in middle school and um my kids would chase me and, and beat me up on the way home from school yeah. they beat me up in the locker room and in gym they they do, they call me names and stuff like that. And so the, those two wounds in particular, abandonment and um, rejection, uh, those two wounds in particular are my two dominant wounds that affect me. And so then what happens is that for me, when those wounds were created and as a kid, I didn't understand why this was happening to me and I'm asking that question, I'm going to come up with an answer. And that becomes a negative core belief that gets written on my nervous system. And the two messages that I got were, I'm not enough. There's something wrong with me. Those were the two ones. I'm not enough and there's something wrong with me. And 
I then that became the prism by which I was viewing the world and um, it continued to feel that way. And then uh, somebody introduced me to masturbation at that time, the internet hadn't been created. So um, porn wasn't a thing yet, but um, he had introduced me to masturbation and he said, don't do it. Don't do it. You won't be able to stop. And that night I went home and I did it and it was like a medicine, like, just totally. all pain, just like, whew. and he was right. I couldn't stop it. And I couldn't stop it. I couldn't stop it. And I couldn't stop it for, for five or six years and all that shame. Um, I couldn't go talk to my, I'm, I'm LDS, but I couldn't go talk sure. to my Bishop because I was, I was terrified that he would like excommunicate me looking back, you know, who excommunicates a 15 year old kid for masturbating. But that's what I thought that wound of, I'm going to be rejected. It's going to right. be awful, just continue to be perpetuated. And when you can see in your story, like how you make life decisions based on those wounds, like I hope, I hope people listening are seeing that, like your thoughts around that bishop, like that's totally irrational. But to someone who's dealt with the rejection the way you have, like that makes perfect sense. And it's it's crazy how similar those those two wounds are so similar to so many other people's wounds and what they go through. And that oh, yeah. creates this addiction to covering up those wounds. Right. Yeah. So I, I was talking to a client today who has a similar abandonment wound. His father disappeared when he was born so that same kind of question of well, what what's wrong with me that that he's carried and he so he stumbled into porn as a way of finding that and that's the amazing thing it's the sad thing about porn is that it won't reject you and the the message that you get as you're watching it is that you're wanted that's, you're special he used air quotes by the way by the way there's air quotes around all of this but right. yeah yeah, totally. the, that's the message that that you feel like you're getting, but it's all counterfeit. Like mm-hmm. you're you're wanted, you're special, but in the end, you I felt at least I felt worse. I felt like uh, now there really is something wrong with me. I can't tell anybody what I'm struggling with because if I do, they're going to reject me. They're going to abandon me. And so those wounds just kept showing up and showing up and showing up in my life, which drove me darker and darker down the path where I'm completely isolated. I've damaged the relationship with my wife. I've damaged the relationship with my kids. I'm staying apart at church because I feel so uncomfortable in all aspects of my life. And it's all because of this fear that you're going to reject me and you're going to abandon me. Totally. And I love how you, how you phrased all of that because I, I had a a client that I was working with uh, recently who he, I'm like, tell me about, you know, what, how you found recovery and he's done a ton of recovery work. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I'm sitting at 12 step meeting. And I was like, Oh, this isn't about sex. This is about emotion. And it's like, Oh, like he had that light bulb moment that I think all of us as addicts have to come to. Cause we, you walk into this thing going like, it's the it's the attachment when you're talking about like what's wrong with me like why am I living a dual life why am I acting out or cheating on my spouse or porn masturbation whatever it is and like you don't make that connection that it's like it's because you're wounded like where where there's smoke there's fire and like the smoke is the addiction behavior 
the fire is these attachment wounds that you're talking about, the trauma we've experienced. And those attachment wounds come throughout all sorts of different parts of your life, not just from your childhood, because you might create some attachment or might receive some attachment wounds from a spouse or from a parent. Even, even when you're an adult, you may receive those attachment wounds from them as well. Right. Yes. Yeah. So I have a client right now who doesn't struggle with sex addiction, but um, in her in her late 50s and her mom just just recently decided she didn't want to talk to her anymore. And she doesn't understand why that's that's an abandonment wound that is incredibly painful to try and work mm-hmm. through. It's so painful, but it's not the the wound that's really the issue because bad things happen to all of us. It's what we end up believing about ourselves as a result of the wound that really trips us up. So, mm-hmm. you know, the rejection wound is what I have, but then the the belief is, well, I'm, I'm wanted. Nobody wants me. There's something wrong with me. That is what trips me up and gets me into the biggest trouble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, no, absolutely. And so tell us, like, when people talk about, like, attachment styles, right? And, and people use a, a couple different words, right? Diane Poole uses certain words when she outlines it. I've heard other people use others. So kind of describe to us, like, what, so, like, what does some of this attachment, like, look like? Yeah, so it's kind of a spectrum. Mm-hmm. So on one side of the spectrum, we have the avoidant attachment style where I'm reluctant to open up. I'm reluctant to let you in. I'm, I'll be there. Maybe I'm hanging around, but I'm not really letting you into much about my mm-hmm. life. I'm not sharing a whole lot with you on, about me. That's avoidant. In the middle is secure attachment where I am very comfortable being open and sharing with you what's going on with you. Um, but I also have boundaries. Like I know when it's okay to share stuff and I, I know when it's not okay to share stuff and and um, I can manage that really well. And so because I'm secure, I feel really comfortable being vulnerable with you and we can connect because it's a healthy place. Well, and the one, well, and the one thing I would, I would say to there is, is not only am I willing to be vulnerable with you, I also know that it's okay to say no. Yes. But yeah, that's the boundary part. I, I have the boundaries to be able to do that. On the other hand, it's, uh, on the other side is the anxious attachment style where I am terrified that you're going to leave me. And so I become super clingy. I have no boundaries. I don't know how to say no. I share everything about me. I just unload everything about me to the other person. And I do it because I'm really hoping that you won't leave me. You won't leave me. And that becomes a very strange dynamic in the relationship. If I become very anxious, attached, that can be draining for the other person. And so the very wound that I'm afraid is going to be stirred up will probably be stirred up because I'm so clingy. They don't have the energy to be able to hold that all the time. So they pull away mm-hmm. and then I feel rejected, abandoned, neglected, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that that's the attachment styles. On one side is anxious. The other side is avoidant. And then somewhere in the middle is the healthy part where we learn how to manage both of those. Yeah. And so tell me like, am I, is my attachment depending on like the relationship that I'm in? Like I might have you know, anxious attachment with Chris here and avoidant attachment with my wife? Or is it like, if I'm avoidant, I'm generally avoidant in all the relationships in my it life? It really, it depends on which uh, person you talk to. But my experience is it can be different based on the different people that yeah. you're experiencing. So um, some people are like, no, you're anxious attachment all the time. And I, I haven't seen that to be the case. It really 
part of it is the safety. How safe do I feel in this relationship with whoever it is? If Mm -hmm. I feel more safe, I'm probably going to be more secure. But if I'm afraid, I'll either jump to anxious or avoidant, one one side or the other, depending on the dynamics of that particular relationship and the wounds that that person maybe rubs up against with me. See, and I think that makes sense because if there's guys that I meet in recovery that they're okay with opening up to me and talking to me, but yet they're still not open to talking to their wife because of that, because of that situation. Yeah. Yeah. There's fear around that. Uh, are you going to reject me? Are you going to be angry at me? Um, you know, fear. I don't want to bump up against your betrayal wound either. I don't want to hurt that either. But there's a lot of fear around that. Whereas with you, it's there's not a threat. You're not. You're not going to leave. You're not going to walk out. I'm not going to divorce him. Right. Yep. Yep. So okay. So if we kind of get some understanding around this, or if people listening are like, "Oh yeah, I get that. That's me." Right. And they're feeling that connection. So now, I mean, it's right. It's the the hopeful part and, and, and the part we want to get on is like, I mean, can I do something about all this attachment stuff or am I just screwed? You absolutely, <laughs> you absolutely can do something if you want to. Uh, I know a lot of people, they just kind of love walking around in their pain and they don't want any, to do anything about it. But for me that I couldn't live like that. I had to figure out a way to experience healing. Cause I was becoming angrier and, um, more distant and more disconnected in my relationships with my family in particular. And I've like, I can't, this has got, something's got to change. So yeah, it absolutely is possible to heal. Lead us in Troy, show us the love. Okay. So you, you identified one of those key things is, is love. Um, have practicing self-compassion on ourselves and really in a spiritual sense one of the things so again the six attachment wounds are loss neglect rejection abandonment betrayal and abuse and the one being that i know who suffered all six of those is jesus christ he's experienced loss he's experienced rejection He's been abandoned. He's been betrayed. He's been neglected. He's been abused. And so part of the healing journey, especially if you're Christian, is learning how to take your heart out and show the Savior and say, I have these wounds. I'm very, I I hurt so badly. Can you please heal them for me? Can you touch that part? Can you help heal this rejection wound so it's not so tender anymore? Can you heal this abandonment wound so it's not so tender anymore? And that is the power of being able to allow Jesus Christ to be able to help heal those wounds because he he's atoned for those. He knows what those feel like. And he is the most equipped to be able to help us heal from those mm-hmm. wounds and change the beliefs that have been tattooed on our hearts related to those beliefs. He's, he's more equipped to be able to help us change what we believe about ourselves than any other being in the universe, I think. And so that's really where the healing takes place is, is taking it out and showing it to him. Yeah. And, and one of our favorite books, right? We always talk about it while the heart John Eldridge's work is really breaking down this and saying, what are, what are the agreements as you're saying, those faulty core messages we have from these attachment wounds and, and bringing those to God. So if you want a, a, a good book, that's kind of that right there catching, you know, God and what Troy's talking about right here about attachment, 
that's your jam. Wild at heart. Yeah, I love that. So that's yeah, a great book. Um, so tell me, yeah. So like contextually, how do we connect with that? Like, as you're working with clients or to those listening, like, you know, and, and I know it's not always just like, you know, and here's the five steps to solving your life. Right. But like what are in theme and what, what are some different things in principle that, that we can do? Um, so one of the elements that I talk to people a lot about is what I call the shadows of shame. And the shadows of shame are the voices in your head that amplify those negative core beliefs that there's something wrong with you. So I won't go into all of them. The biggest one that most people struggle with is the judge. And the judge is that inner critic, that voice that just says, well, you're not perfect enough. You're not trying hard enough. Uh, You're flawed. You're defective. You need to try harder. You're you're not doing it right. And it's that voice. And I, I call it the judge because then I can take that judge out and I can imagine that it's standing across from me uh, across the room. And then I can have a dialogue with, with him or her, however you want to, whatever you imagine your judge to look like, I can have a dialogue with the judge and I can, I can understand what it is that they're saying to me. And then what I do is oftentimes I'll write it down in a journal. It can be a fancy journal. It could be a journal you a notebook you buy at the dollar store or whatever. But on, on the left-hand side of the page, I write down in second person what it is that the judge is saying to me as if I'm taking dictation. So the judge is saying, well, Troy, you suck. You're horrible. You're a horrible person. So I'm writing down, Troy, you're a horrible person. You, I'm writing that down. And there's some power in being able to just write it down because I can distance myself from it. And I can ask a question about, is it true? But then on the right side of the paper, then I, I say a prayer and I say, Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, this is what the judge has been saying to me. Can you help me understand what's true? And then I write dictation from what the Savior says to me. And every time I do that, I feel the love that comes from the Savior that says, Troy, you're enough. You matter. You have a purpose. I'm proud of you. I know you struggle, but every time I do that, that that is the experience that I have. And now I have this contrasting these two pieces of paper that I've written down, and I can look at it and I look at the judge and say, you know, thank you for the feedback. Thank you for what you say, but really, I'm going to listen to the truth, and that's a really a powerful tool that I, I use a lot in my practice with my clients and with me too, when I'm really hijacked by those shadows of shame. Oh, I love that. Well, that kind of goes along the lines of, you know, at the, what the warrior heart bootcamp that we're a part of is, you know, a lot of those guys may not even know what those attachments are yet. Um, or, or those, you know, just, they don't even have an understanding of why they're even acting out. And so they can go to God and, and help get those things pointed out so that they can start healing those and, and have him help heal those wounds um, that they, that are in. Cause they may not remember some of the wounds or they may not know why they're wounded. So it's a good, good place to, to go, especially when you're writing it down side by side like that. I like that. I think it's a far more effective tool to use than just going to Heavenly Father and saying, hey, I promise I'm not going to do this again. I promise I'm not going to act out again. I feel like a failure. I pr- and make the, we make these promises. It's different when we say, hey, Heavenly Father, I recognize that what I was doing last night, I was, I was triggered. 
by something that made me feel like I wasn't important, I wasn't special. And I turned to looking at porn for that. Can you remind me that I matter? Can you remind me that I have value? And I'm far, when I'm connected with that truth, I'm in a much more enabled, powerful place to be able to step away from the dark and say, it's just not interested to, to me. Versus when I'm fighting white knuckling, I don't have that power to be able to walk away as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I, I love that. Uh, sorry, I mean, I'm just, I mean, I'm just kind of sitting with this because, like, th- frankly, this is a lot to take in. You know what I mean? Like, just to sit, to kind of sit with all of this because, like, like, say, this is, we're not talking about the smoke up here. We're not talking about, you know, uh, addiction b- behaviors or how to kind of, like, this is the, when people are like, I'm doing the soul searching, deep, hard work of, you know, really connecting myself to Christ and, and really changing my heart. That's kind of this, right? I mean, this, this is it. This is what you're going to find if you start looking down there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just, um, to me, you said it earlier, porn isn't about sex. Sex addiction isn't about sex addiction. Yep. It's really about not feeling like I have value, not feeling like I'm enough, wondering where my worth is and where did that where did those experiences come from? Where why do I have those beliefs? And that's important work. That's the trauma work that we do. Like what trauma has happened to mm-hmm. me. But in the end, it's really then taking that trauma and saying Jesus, can you touch it? Can you turn it into something beautiful? Can can you help me connect with my core truth? And when we do, just like you guys are doing with this podcast, you're able to go forward and bless other people's lives. You're not afraid anymore to hide in the shadows and be afraid that someone's going to reject you or abandon you or neglect you. You're able to stand with power and light and give people hope. And you're able to do that because of the healing that's happened for you. I just yeah. think it's awesome. So no, Troy, what do you what do you do? So I know in my beginning recovery, I didn't have that closeness with God yet to really like go to him and think that I could even get an answer. Because to me, I was like, you know what? I am I am too far gone for him to answer anything. So I'm not even gonna go to him yet. What what would be something that I could do to be able to understand what my wounds are or um, those attachment wounds? What do I need to do? Is it best to just go and talk to, uh, you know, a counselor or excuse me, a therapist? Is it, what are the best steps to go through to be able to get to that point to understand what's happening and why I'm acting out? What's going on with me? Well, I'm a little biased, but I do have a workbook called Finding Peace. <laughs> I don't think you were Sweet. trying to set that up, but <laughs> awesome! No, I didn't okay, know that. That's awesome. We didn't even know about the workbook, so <laughs> plug away, Troy. Plug away. <laughs> so uh, it's called the Finding Peace Workbook, and that's exactly what it does. Um, it walks you through the process of figuring out what the six wounds are walks you through identifying what are the negative core beliefs that I've carried within myself because of what's been going on, what emotions are tied to those, what shame is hijacking my life because of that, what does that then lead me to numb? And then we begin to peel that back so that we come back to the place of peace and identify with our core value. And really, it's part of, it's, 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 an, it's an act of faith, 
to say, hey, I don't know, God, if you're there and if you even really can accept me or I don't know if you really love me because of all the crappy stuff that I've done in my life. But I have this wound and I want to show you it and I want to see what you'll do with it. And it becomes just, just a little experiment, one little step at a time. But the at least for me and the clients that have used the workbook, it really does give them some vocabulary to be able to describe to their spouses, to Heavenly Father, to their ecclesiastical leaders, and to themselves about, wow, this is what really has been underneath that this whole time. And there's healing that's possible from that. No, I love that. And we'll, and we'll put, you know, links to the workbook right in the episode notes and on the website. Um, like I say, this is, this is heavy, this is big. I think, I think you've, you've put it together well. Is there, is there something else that we need to say about attachment that you haven't said? I just, I, the, the truth is that all of us suffer. All of us have been wounded in one way or another. Um, and sometimes we forget that. Uh, especially right now with COVID-19 happening, there's a lot of a loss that people have experienced, the loss of being able to attend a graduation, the loss of being able to attend a funeral, mm-hmm. the, uh, can't go to, can't even get married right now. There's been a lot of loss. That's an attachment wound. And to, totally. And to be able to identify that, that I'm hurting, but so are you, um, how can I help relieve your suffering? What can I do to maybe make your suffering a little bit better? It also helps relieve my suffering too. Um, I think one of my biggest fears when I talk about attachment wounds is that that's all I focus on. That's all I'm going to focus on is my rejection, my abandonment. But if I can also remember that you have rejection and you have neglect and you've been betrayed and we share some of that, that common feeling in the compassion for your wounds helps me have compassion for my wounds. And I think that's part of what's necessary for us to be able to be united together is to, to have compassion for each other's woundedness. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Cause you, you're right. No one, um, I love the, the Brene Brown words that she uses that nobody rides for free. Right. Like it's it, something's gonna happen, right? Whether it's the fault of your own or fault of someone else, or it, it may look different. How that how that attachment wound happens, right? How you got abandoned, right? I'm I'm not adopted, so I can't say, oh, I have the same as you. But um, abandonment is one of my big wounds, and so although mine my, the contextually is completely different than yours, and Chris's is completely different, right? Chris has had his father take his life. So that's how he was abandoned by his dad. So although it's all three of us have completely different lives and different stories, this is a place where we can absolutely connect because we all understand that abandonment. Troy, you're, you're awesome. Uh, we appreciate you coming on, dropping this knowledge. It's heavy. We got to sit with this. Um, tell us before you, where can people find you? Uh, they can go to TroyLLove.com. TroyLLove.com. Um, we invite you to go there, get to know Troy workbook. He talked about, um, of course you can follow us social at unashamed and afraid Facebook, Instagram. If you enjoyed this, like this and other content, um, then give us five stars on iTunes. And until we talk again, uh, become an outsider, join us for the bonus content and remain unashamed. Mm-hmm.